We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers, your Lakers pick up the win over the Portland Trail Blazers. It was not a pretty game, and that is an understatement. Not a pretty game, but again, the important part, the Lakers got the win. We're right here with you. We're going to break the whole thing down. We're going to talk about what this means for the Lakers here in terms of the standings. Again, Blazers, not a great team, but we'll talk about how this happened and what this is going to mean moving into tomorrow night's matchup with the Los Angeles Clippers. Both tonight's game and tomorrow night's game actually could have a major impact in terms of playoff, or I guess should I say play-in, because, because play that's in. the way yeah. the season is gone, seeding for the Los Angeles Lakers. So if you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you are following us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. If you're joining us live via YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Welcome in. We're going to be taking your questions and comments. Joining me tonight is Sean Davis. Sean, how are you doing? How are, how is your patience holding up after watching what was some bad basketball? Uh, this is a top five worst game of basketball I've seen in my life. Um, but I mean, a win is a win. I think you know you use, that's the only. Well, there's some other decent things, but that's the way you have to you know move forward is. Lakers won, and we'll start there. They do win 99-94. to Anthony Davis drops 30 points, 15 rebounds, 3 blocks, 10 for 18 from the field, 10 yeah. for 14 from the free throw line. He was tremendous. You got 11 points out of Avery Bradley on 3 of 8 shooting from deep. Russell Westbrook, 3 for 12 shooting. That's not good enough, but 10 boards, 13 assists. That's nice. Uh, four turnovers for him. Did get in some foul trouble. He missed a triple-double in the points category. Not something that you typically see. Had the had the rebounds, had the assists, but only nine points on the night. Carmelo Anthony was tremendous. 24 points for him. Eight boards, two assists, two blocks. Yeah. Five for six shooting from deep. Man, if, if the Lakers didn't have Carmelo Anthony being red hot from behind the arc, they would have been in big trouble in this game. You also got 10 points out of Dwight Howard. Uh, and then you had a, a cold shooting night from Malik Monk. Overall, the Lakers shoot 42% from the field. 37% from three, 66% from the free throw line. That's not so great right there. And then the turnovers were a big, big problem. Uh, if you look into the total turnovers, 17 to 13, the Lakers had 17, the Blazers had 13. The Blazers scored 24 points off of Lakers turnovers. The Lakers scored one point off of Blazers turnovers. That, that sums up quite a bit of this game right there. Yeah, and this game should have been as close as it was. But again, when you're when you have 17 turnovers, the opposing team scores 24 po points off of those turnovers. And I'm sure we'll get to this in a minute. But the Blazers had 18 offensive rebounds as well, and they got 98 shots. Like it's a miracle that the Lakers not only won the game, but you make a legit argument that it should not have been this close. So 
Yeah, a very sloppy game by both teams. Yeah, that is pretty wild when you think about that stat. 20 more shot attempts for the Blazers. 20 more. Now, the Lakers got a lot more free throw attempts. And so that every time you get a free throw, that's a shot attempt that you didn't get on that possession, unless it's an and one situation. So that's part of it here. But still, 20 more shot attempts for the Blazers. Again, the Lakers got crushed on the offensive glass, losing there by six. And then the turnovers certainly were not pretty for LA either, but let's start with a positive. I am taking your super chats guys as they're coming in, um, as they're coming in, I'm taking your, your super chats, but let's start with a positive. Anthony Davis, 37 minutes tonight. They don't win this game without him. Yeah. He looked very good. And I think since he's come back from injury, he's mostly looked good. Um, is he your dominant one, a guy that's going to just put you on his back and lead you to a win kind of, I mean, he kind of did that tonight there were moments where he certainly looked mortal but we also saw him make big plays for the lakers down the stretch we saw him knock down shots the mid-range shot actually has been the thing that i've been most impressed with yeah it looks more fluid and just smooth and yes. he's got confidence in it that we didn't see at the beginning of the season so i think what we've seen from anthony davis since coming back is a big positive from the lakers and that just continued tonight Yes, and again, it's this is something that we've seen since AD's return from his MCL sprain. That mid-range game, actually, I'm kind of surprised he didn't take a three tonight, and I kind of like that. No wasted possessions in terms of uh, bad shots by AD, and when they do the pick and pops, it's normally with the guard getting down the hill, and then it's kind of like a short pop. AD's popping towards the elbow, and that shot has been, he's really been knocking that shot down since he's came back from injury, and that's a very pleasant surprise, because that's something we hadn't really seen uh, prior to his injury. It feels like, it feels like there's a part of Anthony Davis that he's, he doesn't trust the three point shot, but there's a part of him that's like, okay, you're going to give me the 20 footer. You're going to dare me to hit this shot. Watch this, watch this. And he just knocks these things down. There were a couple of times tonight where he pulled up and I went, that's not the shot that you want. Oh, he drained it. He knocked it in. That part of his game coming back, I think, is critical. The three-point shot, not quite there yet. You mentioned he didn't take any tonight. But still, him being able to knock in that mid-range shot consistently, that's going to give you a little bit more floor spacing. Again, I'm projecting for once, fingers crossed, knock on wood, the whole team is healthy. But Anthony Davis knocking down that mid-range, I think, opens up a lot of other things for his game. And he was massive for the Lakers tonight. Absolutely. Lakers don't win this game, obviously, without his contributions, but some of the other pieces as well, specifically Carmelo Anthony, Avery Bradley made some plays here and there as well. Even though Malik Monk didn't score, I thought Monk had some really good effort plays defensively. Um, so, yeah, but obviously Lakers do not win this game without Anthony Davis playing like a superstar. I've got a comment here that says, at this point, THT has to be doing this on purpose. And I've got and I've got another <laughs> comment here. Maddie Maddie James says, and I'm sorry, I know I said we were going to start positive, and we did. We talked to AD. Maddie James of the super chat said, as soon as THT enters the game, three turnovers in a row. Why is he even on the floor? There was another play where he got he drove to the basket, got blocked. One for three shooting on the night, three turnovers, five assists for him nonetheless. He was a plus eight on the night, and knocked in a three, hit a couple of free throws, but those turnovers were pretty ugly. He looked. Like suddenly the game was just too much for him in certain moments where he was just, he was trying to play above his head, trying to do a little bit too much. And I got it. I mean, I'm seeing this thought out there on Twitter too, where sometimes around the trade deadline, you see a player start going berserk, start going nuclear. And it's their way of saying like, Hey, don't trade me. Look how good I really am. Is THT regressing so that teams won't want to trade for him? Like that's, don't trade that's me. what I'm hearing from Lakers fans out there. Like, He's playing so poorly that it's scaring away other teams from wanting to trade for him. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm not saying that like in a sarcastic way. I'm, it's actually legitimately funny. But I thought THT, obviously you have those few really bad turnovers, and then Frank Vogel takes them out. I actually think he yells at him for a little bit, and they put them right back in. And then, not saying he was great from that point on, but THT definitely played better after he got taken out for that brief period of time and then put right back in. I feel like he settled down. Uh, I don't think he had a turnover after that point. I think his first play back was a really nice lob to Anthony Davis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's reasons why THC's on the floor. And we saw a lot of it when LeBron was healthy. 
as a secondary uh, ball handler and playmaker. So I think he has a role on this team. But, you know, with Kendrick Nunn eventually coming back, uh, how much of a role will he have if that's Kendrick Nunn's role? And just to give everybody an update on that, on Kendrick Nunn, he is ramping things up once again. Now, last time he tried to ramp things up, he had issues, right? His His knee soreness ramped up at the same time as his activity on the floor. So that's not good. So hopefully, hopefully that doesn't occur and he can return to the floor soon. Because remember, you know, as much as we rag on this Lakers team, right? Hey, why other teams are getting wins without their stars? Why can't the Lakers get wins? Things things like that. And look, some of that is, is totally justified. We also have to remember, we're saying the THC is not playing well. You've been missing either LeBron or AD for the bulk of the season. You've been missing one of those two. One of your two like key guys has been down for the bulk of the season. They've barely had any games where they've overlapped. And then your fourth highest paid player, Taylor Horton Tucker, hasn't given you much. And your fifth highest paid player has given you nothing. So that's a difficult that you're talking about. Three of your top five highest paid players for most of the season have been contributing very, very little to nothing at all to your team. That's a tough spot for the Lakers to be in. You really have to get something out of THT. I still think he's a bit of an awkward fit. I don't, I agree though with the general concept that this is not helping his trade value around the around the deadline here. It's coming up February 10th. No. I can't imagine any teams are looking at what's going on right now and thinking, that's a guy that we want to pay a lot for. Yeah, and the deadline's now. I mean, it's Thursday where I'm at. So it's a week away now, officially. Um, and I, I've kind of just accepted I would not expect a big Lakers trade. None has not played all year, and he's going to be a big part of a potential trade package or potential big trade package um thc hasn't played well enough for a team to want to heavily involve him in the deal so yeah if there's going to be a trade which i expect us to talk about that at some point later on in the show but if there is going to be a trade i don't think it's going to be a big one. Oh, i'm i am already get, getting plenty of super chats coming in about trades so we will get to those i'm saving them though because i know we're not quite there yet in our conversation vector nova though staying on the topic of anthony or of uh, taylor Horn tucker said an interesting thing that i picked up from Stu lance is that it could be tht is playing worse recently because of constantly being in trade rumors also credit to tht for playing better after a horrible first half so that's the the glasses half full approach right that's the upside is that taylor horton tucker battled through some difficult moments early on and again credit to frank vogel for pulling him out talking to him getting him settled down and then getting him back out on the floor so he can do some things out there so that's sort of the the positive spin on that um but for a player who just turned 21 it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for trade rumors to affect him more than say a veteran player might be affected by trade rumors. Like if a trade rumor popped up about Dwight Howard or Carmelo Anthony or Trevor Reese or any of those guys, they're, they're not going to care. They've been in the league. For, yeah. I mean, literally decades at, at this point. Right. So they've been around forever. They, they're not going to care if their name pops up in trade rumors. That's old hat. They've, they've been there. They've done that. They've been through it for a guy like Taylor Horton Tucker as young as he is, maybe that's the kind of thing that could make a difference with his play on the court. As much as we just want to say, oh, toughen up, the reality is you're spending, if you're a player in the NBA and your name's in trade rumors, you're spending the next week finding, waiting to hear on pins and needles to find out whether or not you've got to pack up, move your family, go find a new place to live, leave all your friends, and go to a new team in a new city that can be distracting regardless of how much we want to say, oh, you know, you got to have mental toughness or whatever. That's tough for a 21-year-old to deal with. Yeah, and I think sometimes you don't really think about the mental side of the game. And, I mean, now that kind of has me feeling a little optimistic that after the trade deadline, THT just goes on a run. But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's just like a little bit of a mental side of the game and mental block. But I'm confident THT and the trust that the coaching staff keeps keeps instilling in him. I'm confident. I'm hopeful that uh, he'll get over it at some point. All right. Let's mention this. Well, actually, you know what? Let's get into the 360 award. I This is going to be very quick and very easy because very clearly it's yeah. Anthony Davis for the 360 award tonight. He it's was Anthony tremendous. Davis. And I didn't think Russ, for as many shots as he missed, see, tonight for this game, I put my laptop away. I didn't check the box score at all. Didn't check it. Because I wanted to, just for a little while, not focus so much on the stats and just get a general feel for the game. And I didn't feel like Russ was 
that bad. There were a few bad turnovers, but there were also some plays where some bad, yes, fouls. Some bad fouls as well from Russ. But there were also enough plays where I went, hey, that was re- that was a really great play by Russ there, particularly on the offensive end when he was getting into the paint. Yeah. There were a few times he used his eyes to make the defense think he was going to do one thing and then he did something else. Just some smart plays that were kind mm-hmm. of you know, veteran plays that I saw from him. It wasn't all bad. There were also some really bad plays on the defensive end, so I'm saying it was a mixed bag from Russ. He's certainly not getting the award tonight, but I thought there were kind of highs and lows from him in this one. Leaving Norman Powell open to hit corner threes was not great. Norman Powell, I believe, went for 30 points tonight as well. So Russ was kind of riding the roller coaster, but I did see some good things. Anthony Davis was 90% or more good plays for him compared to mistakes being made. Yeah, and uh, I, I he's definitely the uh, 360 award. But, yeah, Russ made some good plays. He had the really nice play where he told Malik Monk, hey, go back door. They're over plank, and he gets Monk for an easy dunk. Uh, he made a lot of really good plays tonight. But, yeah, this is de- definitely Anthony Davis, um, his, his dominance, is a, especially down the stretch. You're like, okay, it's winning time. We need somebody to, you know, put this game away. Anthony Davis was like, okay, it's my turn to get on the glass, and who's going to stop me? So, Anthony Davis, definitely 360 award. Okay, Sean, I want to get into this. I'm going to jump back to the Super Chats in just a second, but I'm going to throw this out there because I know this is something that's bothering you. Let's talk about drop coverage. (laughs) What did did you see from this game? Because we need to make sure we highlight this against a three-point shooting team like the Blazers. What was happening? Okay, so really quickly to kind of give a brief description or like what drop coverage is. Drop coverage, you are forcing the guard or the ball handler to shoot preferably a contested or a tough mid-range shot. The problem is if you're playing Carmelo Anthony, who's not a good defender, Dwight Howard, who won on the perimeter as much, or some of these other guys, just aren't as quick in drop coverage as the guy guarding the, the screener. Now you're giving up open shots. So there's just several plays. Anthony uh, Simon's just coming down the floor. They go ball screen. You're playing drop coverage, and he hits a wide open three. Or Norman Powell hit a couple. But when Anthony Davis is in there, and Anthony Davis is so dynamic defensively, where he can contest, um, he can contest the perimeter and the, and the guard. And if he does pass the ball to the big, he can get back and make a good contest in time. But, I mean, also a big problem is when you run drop coverage, you have to have your weak side help or the tag guys I show in the breakdowns, and the Lakers don't have that either. So uh, a lot of times I try coverage, it works. It can work anyway, but the Lakers, they don't have the personnel and they don't have the, like, talk defensively to actually do it effectively. So, yeah, they got killed on tonight, as always. And in particular, against this team... C.J. McCollum, Anthony Simons, these guys are really good at hitting that little pull-up as soon as they come off of a screen. So if you're if you're Wall in screen. drop yeah. coverage, you are inviting them to do what they're good at. And to do what's in, yeah, like a team that you could, a team I would challenge, like New York maybe. I, I wouldn't mind you running drop coverage against the Knicks. Um, let's see. Well, gosh, there's only a few teams I actually feel comfortable running it against. Uh, Memphis, maybe if AD's in it, like maybe you want to challenge John to shooting a tough jumper with Anthony Davis in his face, but hashtag drop the drop coverage. I like it. <laughs> that's that's my new hashtag from now on. <laughs> there is there is no perfect defense. Huh. There's no perfect defense. There's there's no. every kind of defense is going to leave some kind of weakness that can be exploited, but in particular against this Blazers team. And yeah. if you're doing it with Carmelo Anthony or something like Anthony Davis erases a lot of this stuff. Like you can, you can blitz the pick and roll with AD. You can put him in drop coverage and he's fine. AD is just, he can do whatever, right? Whatever you want him to do, he, he can be good at it. Mm-hmm. But drop coverage against with Carmelo Anthony or Dwight Howard, or, you're inviting that three point shot, that step in three point shot from these really good shooters on the Blazers. And so it wound up being a bit of a problem uh, for the Lakers for a good chunk of this game. So there was, and I need to mention this, there was a good portion of this game where my overall impression was that it felt like I was watching a pickup game. A very a very high-level pickup game, <laughs> mind you. Like some really good players 
but it looked in some points where like a bunch of guys, a bunch of NBA guys just got together, picked up, picked some teams and then rolled a ball out on the floor. There were times where it looked that discombobulated yeah. on both ends of the floor from both teams. From, I'm not saying that's just the Lakers from the Blazers as well. That's how ugly this game got. Oh, yeah, it was ugly. And actually, now I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I, I do feel bad for Frank Vogel and the fact that what do you do in terms of ball screen defense? You're better off just switching everything because I don't think if, if your talk isn't good enough on drop coverage, you can't hedge then because you're still going to need weak side help there and you don't talk well, well enough anyway. So, like, what do you do? You might as well just switch everything. And also doesn't help that you haven't had enough time with everybody on the floor. I forget how many games AD, LeBron, and Russell Westbrook have all played together, but it's not enough. And then THT and none, and now Stanley Johnson's in the mix. So I do feel bad for Frank in that regard. Like, what do you do? Or outside of, like, telling your team to actually talk on defense. That helps. I think you're right in that some players, right, Some to some degree, you feel bad for Frank Vogel. And I've had plenty of moments like that, too. But I will say this. Tonight, we saw a lineup out there for the Lakers with oh my no Anthony yeah, Davis, no Russell Westbrook, no Carmelo Anthony, no Malik Monk. That meant it was what? It was like <laughs> THT, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson. Reeves. It was just uh, like Dwight Howard. How did you expect to score any points? Like there was no way that sitting in coaches meeting, meetings, they ever said this lineup. Let's make sure we put this lineup out on the floor at some point. And maybe his hand was forced. He was working on rest or, or whatever. But that is the epitome of just try to kill some minutes. Just please get some stops. Hopefully the Blazers don't score and we can get it done on defense because we've got no chance of executing any kind of, of half-court offense. And I didn't see it in the second half, thank goodness. But that was a moment where I went, Thankfully. No, it was Baseman. Baseman was the uh, other that, guy. Oh that was the moment where I went, okay, if there if there was a moment to criticize Frank Vogel, it's for putting that specific lineup out there. Because there was zero chance. It was a zero chance that that lineup was going to have any success on the offensive end of the floor. It was, it was difficult to watch. I felt bad for the players that were on the floor because they were all being asked to do things that's simply way outside of their wheelhouse. Yeah, they were like they ran like five of that lineup too. It wasn't like a quick minute and a half to two minute stretch. No, they ran that lineup for a good four minutes, four to five minutes. So yeah, it it was bad. Tough to watch it for got, sure. It got to a point where Billy Mack, Bill McDonald, who's great, fantastic, and Stu Lance, they're discussing during the game, and remember, they work <laughs> for the Lakers, and they're discussing how the game is so bad that it feels really long. How the, the game just feel that it's actually going by fairly quick <laughs> yes. in terms of time wise, but it feels like a really long game and they're not wrong. It did feel like a long game, but oh my. Anyway. All right. Let me get into yeah. some more super chats here. Andre said, uh, coming in from YouTube said, would you rather have role players who only play defense or only three point shooting role players? We've gotten into that question before. I would prefer uh, defense. Give me defense first, guys, and then you can try to create offense off turnovers quickly when you've got LeBron, when you've got AD, when you've got Russell Westbrook. Those guys will create some of the offense for you, but defense is the one where if you have, that's the end of floor, where if you have one weak link, that can cause the whole thing to fall apart. And so you know, on this particular team, give me defenders over shooters. Especially with Frank Vogel being the head coach. Um, and yeah, like if LeBron, and as long as these three, uh, Crap, defenders are good and not like they're shooting 33 to 35% from three. You take them because with LeBron, Russ, and AD, they're going to get some open looks. So, um, yeah, give me the defensive guys for sure. All right. We've got a, <laughs> we've got a, oh no, Guillermo Arcadia said, I traded my Lakers tickets for a cheeseburger. I mean, you know that everybody got tacos tonight, though. If you just went to the game, you would have got to see the game and tacos. I oh, guess maybe yeah. the game was, was that bad, but in any event. Uh, Mook Morris, too, said, Do you think a trade just for Justin Holiday, Torrey Craig, TJ Warren for THT, Kendrick Nunn, and Kent Bazemore would be a good trade for the Lakers? Um, in terms of the talent you're getting back, yes. I would be careful, though. Like I feel like it's becoming more likely that Kendrick Nunn picks up 
his player option for next season. Most of us went into the season assuming he would not. Um, it's becoming more likely that, that he does. And if you still believe that once he gets over this injury, he's going to be the guy that he was, I don't look at him as just a throw-in in a trade. I think he could have some value. Now, again, that's down the line. We're probably talking next season or maybe later on this season if he can get healthy. But overall, I like those pieces that are coming back. Some concerns over TJ Warren, who's been dealing with an injury himself. He's been out the season. I'd have to get more in, uh, info on that. But those are the kinds of players that I think the Lakers should be targeting. 3 and D style wings. Um, I don't know what I would say. I, I in, To answer the question, I would need to know more about TJ Warren's injury and what's where that's at right now than to make a real decision there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think the Lakers might be interested, but I'm not sure why the why the Pacers would do that, especially with the way THT's playing right now and Kendrick Nunn not playing yet this season. So basically, you're offering me from the Pacers' standpoint, you're offering me a guy that hasn't played well, a guy who hasn't played at all this season and can't base more. I'll pass. I would I would assume that the Lakers would have to add some sort of draft capital to make that work. Uh, Artie Sanity said, yeah, Master sure. Lock the Lakers free throw percentage. That's certainly something that we will take into account. Maddie James said, more than halfway into the season, I'm convinced this is as good as this team's going to be, and it's frustrating, especially in a game that shouldn't have been this close. I don't think this is as good as this team's going to be, or can be. I mean, no, we got one game of LeBron, Russ, and AD playing together. One game. Yeah, that's it. And then and that's then LeBron it. went out hurt. So I don't think this is as good as this team can be. I think if LeBron comes back healthy, which we still don't know what his status is for tomorrow. Frank Vogel told us tonight that if LeBron still has swelling in his knee, then he's not playing and that they are working on things and trying and then he is making progress. And so that's good. Um, obviously, we don't know what his status will be. I would be surprised if he plays tomorrow against the Clippers. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe the next game against the Knicks on Saturday, maybe that is is suddenly in play. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But when LeBron comes back, I think it's to say that this game is as good as this team's going to get when LeBron's return is potentially right around the corner. I, do, I just don't think that's accurate. This team can look better. Are they as good as we hope they would be? No, certainly not. But I think they can look better than what we saw tonight. Yeah, I don't think there's any way you can make that uh, observation when, again, you haven't seen, you've hardly seen AD run together. Now you have these new pieces, Stanley Johnson, THC's up, um, Austin is getting significant minutes. We haven't seen Kendrick Nunn yet. I don't think you can make that uh, observation yet. But Trevor, quickly, one thing that I've kind of just thought about, how nervous are you for tomorrow knowing it's the second half of a back-to-back -back and this game was so close and AD had to play so much? So that's not great, but Frank Vogel addressed it pregame. Uh, he was asked about Anthony Davis, and he said the expectation, expectation is that AD will play. So he'll play tomorrow. Uh, he had to log some major minutes tonight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly nerve-wracking. Like the Clippers, without Paul George, without Kawhi, you'd be thinking, okay, they, they, they should get this. They should win this. But then again... The Blazers without Damian Lillard, it shouldn't really be this close. And the Clippers have managed to win some games that they probably shouldn't have. On the flip side, the Lakers have found ways to lose games that they shouldn't have. So uh, it's going to be 
It'll be a stressful game, I think. I think it'll be a stressful game for the Lakers. We'll see what happens. Again, I think the Lakers have the talent to win, but can they get out of their own way long enough to do it? Can they lock in defensively enough to get it done? I don't know. I don't know. So far, history has said no, but we'll see what happens here. Um, I've got a comment here that was coming in from Facebook. Uh, I'll find it in just a second. I lost it for a moment. Sean Tate said the Lakers are a really bad team. Glad AD is back. Uh, let's see. Where did my Facebook comment go? Oh, Angela Nicole from Facebook said, hope we beat the Clippers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mook yeah, Morris said, my bad. Tomorrow. I just meant for Tory Craig and Justin Holiday since they're on cheaper deals. Okay. So just those two not adding in, not adding in TJ Warren to that deal that we were discussing before. So that's something that's that's noteworthy there. Um, the question that came in, I had a good one, and I, I just lost it. Oh, here it is. Jeffrey Lomboy from Facebook said, Trevor, why don't the Lakers just get hustle players from the G League? And I wanted to get into this. Uh, Jeffrey asked that question. I want to get into this because of the rumor that came out this morning, Jake Fisher, that the Lakers are a team that could be interested in Paul Millsap. If he gets bought out by the Brooklyn Nets and that went, mm, that was mm -hmm. piggybacking on the rumor that yep. the Lakers are trying to move Kent Bazemore, which if the Lakers are trying to move Kent Bazemore makes sense that Kent Bazemore is suddenly getting some minutes. It's called showcasing a player, right? So that other teams see that and go, Oh yeah, that player's not actually that bad. Okay. We'll take that guy on. Um, the Lakers are going to try to clear up a roster spot. If I'm the Lakers though, what has worked this season? It's been young players with fresh legs, finding a diamond in the rough and just focusing on some little things they can do to plug in alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis and, and Russ. And we're talking about Austin Reeves. We talk about Stanley Johnson, Malik Monk was, you know, obviously he's got more draft pedigree. Well, Stanley Johnson was a lottery pick, but these are guys that they have managed to get good things out of. Trevor Rizzo, DeAndre Jordan, Right? These Kent Bazemore to a degree. These are guys who mostly haven't been playable. And DeAndre Jordan and Trevor Ariza have mostly looked done. And I know Ariza's still dealing with that ankle injury that he's recovering from. But still, these guys have looked done. And Paul Millsap in his time with the Nets has looked done. And DeAndre Jordan last year in his time with the Nets looked done. What? I think the Lakers would be better suited than trading for a Paul Millsap who's about to turn 37 or picking up a Paul Millsap off the bio market, who's about to turn 37, you'd be better off going and finding some guys with some legs under him still, some younger players that aren't nearly as polished as a Paul Millsap would be, but that might be able to stay on the floor or physically can do the things that Frank Vogel's going to ask them to do on the defensive end. I don't think going back to the well of another older player is the way to go for the Lakers. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one. Also, I think if you went Paul Millsap, is that the end of Dwight Howard? Because getting Paul Millsap to me uh, signifies that you're going all in with the small ball thing. And Paul Millsap preferably would get a lot of small ball five minutes. Now you get you don't have to have LeBron playing those small ball five minutes as much. So like 80 at the five starting, Paul Millsap as that second unit, big man. And then is that it for Dwight Howard, basically? And then DeAndre Jordan already out of the rotation. He's out of rotation at that point. Um, but I, I actually agree there. You'd rather go somebody small or younger, rather, uh, but they can fill that Paul Millsap kind of role, somebody that could potentially play a small ball five role, but somebody younger with fresher legs. Because I think that's where the Lakers have found a lot of their success um, is with these smaller, not smaller, younger guys who could really stretch the floor like a monk, Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, dare I say, Taylor Horn Tucker. So, yeah, I'd definitely rather go with the younger guy. Darwin Sasante from YouTube said, Paul Millsap would be awesome four years ago. That's it. That hits the nail on the head. Because Paul Millsap, if, he, if we had a DeLorean yeah. and we got the thing up to 88 miles per hour and we put Paul Millsap in it and we go get Paul Millsap from four years ago, great. Right. Even two years ago, yeah. That, two years ago, even. They need Paul Millsap's skill set. They need that guy who can be a four or a five, plug in between Anthony Davis and LeBron James, stretch the floor a little bit on offense. On defense, they're going to give you some rebound. Perfect. If this was Paul Millsap a couple seasons ago, 
this would be a no-brainer yes go get this guy this is something they something they really really need just the current version of paul Millsap is not what they need right now and so look it, the rumor's already out there though that he's mostly linked to chicago okay so that's so i don't think the lakers are actually going to pick him up but to me going back to that well it's a little bit concerning if the Lakers really are interested in, in going after Paul Millsap. I think you'd be better served just finding a younger player, plugging him in, and then hoping that they can find a way to fit alongside LeBron. Because at least physically, they can probably get closer to doing the things that you need them to do. Definitely. All right, let's talk about the next man up award. I think it's a pretty easy one tonight. So chat, let us know though. Coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Who do you think was the next man up? So not Russ, not Anthony Davis. Who gets the next man up award? Who was the best non-star level player? And I think this is pretty easy. Tonight. Yep. I'm seeing yeah. a lot of the same name. Days more. <laughs> Mellow, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's Yes. Yeah. It's clear. It's clear. It's Carmelo Anthony. It's Carmelo Anthony. He is the next man up in this game. Eight for 12 shooting, five of six from three, including one that was just a completely botched play. Just a heat. And he just yeah. he just grabs the ball. It's like, oh, hey, I found this basketball. And he just chucks it at the rim. Okay, there was a little bit more skill to it than that. But fires it up as the buzzer is sounding and bottom. Just drains it. Carmelo was fantastic. 24 points, gets the Kobe, eight boards, two assists, two blocks, had to play him 33 minutes, which that's not ideal. You don't want to have to play Carmelo Anthony 33 minutes. Yeah. But he was huge for the Lakers tonight, and they do not win this game without his shooting. Great, great performance from Carmelo Anthony. Absolutely. This is definitely Carmelo Anthony's award, Carmelo Anthony's award tonight. Um, I want to give a little shout-out. I thought Avery Bradley made some good plays. He knocked down three threes tonight. Stanley Johnson, he only played 17 minutes, but I thought, especially in that stretch, I want to say in the fourth quarter, he made some really nice plays before Frank went with this closing lineup. Um, Monk, I thought he played solid, even though he didn't really hit uh, a lot of shots tonight. And then, yeah, I thought Reeves played like an Austin Reeves game, just hustle and effort. But yeah, this is definitely Carl Anthony's award. He's starting to stack these up, man. It's Carmelo Anthony is one of the players in the NBA that's really producing on a veteran minimum. And Malik Monk is up there, too. But there's not many guys on veteran minimum contracts in this league that are producing the way Carmelo Anthony is for the Lakers this season. And we can talk all about their misses. Taylor Horton Tucker has been a miss this season. Trevor Reza has been a miss. DeAndre Jordan has been a miss. Kendrick Nunn has been a miss. They've had a lot of misses. They've had a lot of misses. Their roster that looked very deep heading into the season no longer looks very deep. We're looking at a lot of players going, eh, can't play that guy, can't play that guy, can't play that guy. But their hits have been impressive. Carmelo Anthony has been a hit just like Malik Monk has. He's been a great find for the Lakers this season. Absolutely. He's averaging 13 points on 38% from three. This was going into the night. So, I mean, there's going to be a big bump on that, uh, especially from three. shot 83% from three tonight. But, yeah, this was a steal. His contract, Malik Monk's contract. Then you have Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson as well. So, yeah, their hits that they've gotten in acquisitions have been major. But yeah, some of the drops or drop the ball or whatever, whether it's THT, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Reza, DeAndre Jordan, they, they've been major flops. So, um, I Just perfect timing here. Our colleague with, with Lakers Nation, Ryan Ward, Carmelo Anthony in his postgame presser was asked about the lob that he caught. And he said, what? Am I not supposed to be able to jump anymore? I, I was surprised, too. I was surprised that he threw down a lob dunk, but sure enough, hey, we he, were all he surprised. did. He did. All right. Uh, the Phoenix Down said, The discipline and energy is so bad right now. No one cares on this team, except when Russ is close to a triple-double. Also, shout out to Sean Davis. Okay. Um, hey. I, I mean, I saw moments where the team wasn't completely locked in on either end of the floor. We certainly saw that. Second I don't quarter. know if this is a, the team is checked out and they don't care situation. Everything they have said suggests they still care, but there have been moments out on the floor where you've seen a lack of effort. Uh, the one that drives me crazy is 
turn the ball over and then not get back. And so the other team really has a break going, you know, because you're frustrated and you want to stomp the floor or whatever. We see things like that sometimes from this team. Um, so I understand why people could get that from it, but I don't know how much of this is it's just kind of a mess versus how much of it is we're not trying as hard as we should be. Or one of or one of the Lakers' favorites. Miss a shot, think you get fouled, you stand there, and then you walk back. That's their favorite. That's their favorite of uh, just showing no effort right there. I think AD did it down the stretch, actually. And then you have Ross. He'll turn the ball over and just, just go foul somebody just because. So, yeah, those are a couple of problems. These both happened a couple times tonight. Um, I'm just making those up. Uh, Bruce Barnes said, Trevor, why does Melo shoot this much better at home than away? And look, everybody's got their got that. It's like, why does Lou Williams make every single shot when he goes left? And he just he just does. Some guys just they've got their thing, and Carmelo yeah. Anthony tends to shoot better at home. And so this is their first home game in a while. So Carmelo Anthony feasted. He was like, finally, finally, I'm back home, and I can uh, and I can get that get that shot going. Just below forty four percent from three at home. Oof. That's insane. <laughs> there is something to that. There is something to that. Uh, we've got a super chat here. Uh, Shantanu Chatterjee said, have you noticed most wins come only when one player has a great game? Would we win if Melo doesn't go five to six from three? Wins need to be more sustainable. Yeah, there's some truth to that. It takes one of the role player guys going off in order to, to get a win. But that's also not that uncommon around the NBA for teams to need somebody to step up and have a big night. And it, can change who that is. Usually your stars, you know, you're going to get a pretty good performance out of them most nights, but usually you need somebody else to make a major contribution in order to get a win. So that's true. And it can be frustrating when it doesn't happen, but that's also something that's not a uniquely Lakers thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something that's very common around the league, like Golden State, you know, they can have staff or one of these other guys go off, but they'll normally have normally it's actually the whole bench bench performance will just really have a great game and they'll elevate them and propel them to a win. Um, you take that away. Does Golden State still win as many games? Who knows? But, you know, they're definitely probably not a top three team in the league record wise if their bench is as good as it is. Sean Tate said, why do Lakers trades continually get leaked? Well, so we need to think about if you are if you're looking at trade rumors and stuff that are that's coming out we always have to read between the lines and Keith Smith and I over on the NBA front office show which you guys should definitely go subscribe to, subscribe to we talk about this all the time so when trade rumors come out you have to think about a few things who benefits from that rumor getting out there right uh, there was one we talked about today about um oh gosh who was it there was a player that we talked about at the end of our show today Jarrett Culver Jarrett Culver with the, the Grizzlies, there was a rumor that came out mm. that some teams might call about Jarrett Culver. Okay, is that is that likely accurate? Well, I mean, is Jarrett Culver really setting the world on fire right now? No, but his agent might want to put out there that there's some interest in him or the Grizzlies might want to put out there that there's some interest in him just to see if maybe they can free up a roster spot, right? So sometimes information will leak out this time of, of year with a purpose, there's information that's being put out for a reason. And that doesn't mean necessarily that it's false information. Sometimes it can be, but a lot of the time there's a reason why information comes out. Now, why do the Lakers stuff, why does the Lakers stuff get out so much? Well, there is this effect, and we see it in free agency too, where if the Lakers get attached to anything, that whatever that little piece of news is, it blows up a lot more than if it's the Orlando Magic are interested in this player. If it's the Lakers are interested in this player, suddenly that news travels that much farther. And so you're going to, going to generate that much more interest. So the lake, it could be as simple as a team could call Rob Palenka and say, Hey, do you, what do you, would you be interested in trading for this guy? And Rob Palenka could say, no. Okay. Click Lakers have had discussions regarding trading for this player right now. That's an extreme example of it, but that's the kind of way that news can get blown up and get out to more people and generate more interest. So sometimes the Lakers stuff that gets leaked isn't necessarily coming from the Lakers. It's their name getting attached to something in order to put a spotlight on it. 
Yes, because it's the Lakers. So, and I mean, th- there's a reason. Like as you pointed out, like anything Lakers related is probably like one of the top three things that come out trade related, free agency related, draft related. It's because it's the Lakers. Unless the Magic have a top three pick in the past five years, the the Magic news is not you know competing with the Lakers news in terms of, like rumors of what's getting put out there. Whatever. I mean, a large part of it is because this is the Los Angeles Lakers, and I think that's just what comes with playing for the lakers and again that doesn't mean everything that's put out there is false but that's again that's part of being a los angeles laker it's, yeah. it's the way it goes stuff gets out there but you will see though typically the the big stuff it seems to come from out of nowhere um you'll see that happen too because sometimes when stuff yeah. gets out that's a bad thing stuff will sometimes get out after it's already dead after it's dead then information leaks out about a player or about a, a team that was interested in somebody and those discussions have already been taken taken place and they've been dead. Um, usually when teams really keep things quiet, that's when there's a good chance that it could happen, that it's really going to go down. So sometimes that's part of the fun is that we get surprised by a trade that seems to come from out of nowhere. And the next thing you know, it's, whoa, how did they get that guy? And the Russell Westbrook trade came from out of nowhere. Suddenly he's, he's a Laker. Um, yeah, that happened. Guru, Guru said one of the, the worst defensive performances, uh, trade insecurity, are the, are the players performing poorly because they're concerned about a trade? I can't say. I'll dig into the postgame quotes and see if anybody's talked about that, but I don't think so. I mean, Frank Vogel said before the game that they spent yesterday working on defense, drilling defense, and going over all the breakdowns that they've had recently on the defensive end of the floor. That's what they worked on. And to start the game, the Blazers missed a bunch. So the Lakers were feeling pretty good defensively. But then things started to fall apart. And we saw the defense not look so good again. Now, again, you held the Blazers to 94 points. But how much of that was the Lakers' defense was good compared to the Blazers are bad? I don't know where how much of the credit you want to split up there. Yeah, and I'm leaning more towards the Lakers are crap the Blazers. This is just bad. Look at that second quarter, and that kind of could just take all the hope away. Yeah, this was a good Lakers defense performance. You kind of handled uh, second quarter. Oh, okay. Never mind. The Blazers are just missing a lot of shots. There we go. This is this is normal. Uh, I've got Chris Martinez in all caps, so I know he's he's really serious about this. Said so, Trevor, what do you think about picking up Willie Cauley Stein? And I've seen a few people asking about that. So Willie Cauley Stein, I'm not completely up to date on what happened with him. Uh, the Mavs situation, he was away, I believe it was for personal reasons, but there was an air of mystery there where there, it wasn't quite clear exactly what was happening. So without knowing whatever it is that he's dealing with, and first and foremost, before we even in basketball, hopefully everything is okay with him. And we, we don't know, um, if that, that's a big hurdle to overcome, Right. So Willie Colley Stein, if everything's great and he's just sitting out there in the free agent market, okay, sure. Maybe you could talk me into it. I don't know that that's exactly what they need, but he was missing games for the Mavs for a reason. And it was never really made public what that reason was, or at least not to my knowledge at this point. So without knowing that, I can't say, oh, yeah, he's a guy that you definitely want to go sign because I don't know what his situation is at this moment. Yeah, obviously, I want to make sure everything's good with him personally. But one thing I am seeing in the chat is we miss Marquise Morris, and I absolutely agree. Yeah, when I was talking about Paul Millsap's skill set being something that they lack, Marquise Morris also fills that fills that role. Uh, Mook Morris, do you think Justin Tolliday, Torrey Craig would be great 3 and D wing targets? Yeah, I mean, sure, they would be interesting targets. But again, the question becomes, what do you have to give up in order to get them? And right now, right now, by the way, guys, in terms of where we are in negotiations, Right now, most teams think they should get a first-round pick for their guys. That's the, I mean, look, the Houston Rockets, Eric Gordon, we should get a first. Miles Turner, we should get multiple firsts, right? Jeremy Grant, multiple firsts. Domitas Sabonis, all the firsts, right? Like, teams are just right now entrenched. Those positions will start to change as we get closer and closer to that trade deadline. That will increase the urgency and create some openings. So we'll see what happens there. But if the Pacers are saying, oh, we need your 2027 first round pick unprotected for those guys, the Lakers probably aren't going to do that because that's probably a bit too much. But right now, asking prices are still high. Teams are looking at things saying, ah, it's a seller's market. There's not that many options out there right now. So they're going to try to get as much as they possibly can. 
and I don't think we're going to see a major move there in terms of teams coming off of their asking price until we get a little bit closer to the actual deadline. Yeah, I'm just sitting here like, man, how much does a superstar cost right now? Seven first-round picks? Is Sam Presti the only guy that can offer for a, a superstar? Uh, somebody said Gordon. Mike Morris said Gordon is not worth a first. Hey, I agree. But if I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm definitely asking yeah. for it. He's shooting like 45% from three on the season. And he's playing really well. This is probably the highest his value is going to be, right? If his three-point percentage comes down, his value, Eric Gordon, is not going to be as high next year. So if you're the Rockets, you're going, man, let's capitalize on this. Let's say we want a first because he's playing well enough to where maybe somebody will really give it to us. If I'm the Rockets, I'm trying. Well, what does it hurt? doesn't hurt anything to try to get a first right now. You can make the argument based on his stats that he might be worth it. Now, most teams would know that that's not sustainable, that he shoots 45% from three for the season, but why not ask for it? You can always come off that asking price a little closer to the deadline. So I don't blame them for asking that. Uh, let's see. Guru said, don't trade anyone. A trade could create more stuff to clean up. Make them feel secure. Leave it to them. Win or bust. Nothing much we can do. I don't think that's reality. I, the Lakers are going to leave no stone unturned on the trade market. They just are. That's always been their MO. They're going to explore things out there. They've always been aggressive, particularly under Rob Palenka. They've been very aggressive in making moves for better or worse. Now, you're right in that you can make things worse, right? The grass is not always greener. We have seen the Lakers in the last two years make deals that while they may have made sense, ultimately made things worse for the Lakers. So making a trade, as I've said a bunch, making a trade does not equal a win. Not making a trade does not equal a loss. Sometimes the best thing you can do with a trade is not make a trade, okay? The worst thing you can do is make a bad trade. No trade is, no trade is better than a bad trade. That's the best way to sum it up. So it's something to keep in mind heading into the trade deadline. It's going to be important for the Lakers to also have that patience because teams are looking at the Lakers as a desperate team. And I promise you, teams will try to fleece them. They will try to use that desperation against them. And for Rob Polink and the Lakers, yeah. it's going to be critical that they not fall into this trap of feeling like we must do something and then they wind up making a move that makes things worse. trade rust from crypto <laughs> oh my hey, god crypto has dipped recently values come down a little bit no it's not what's really happening angry bird anytime anthony davis falls to the floor or touches his hand or knees i automatically get nervous this isn't good for my mental health i am with you there angry bird i am with you i even put out there on twitter i was getting nervous when he was wrestling with yusuf nurkic and they fell to the floor and at that moment, I said, get Dwight, get Dwight in there just to just to let Dwight deal with that physical punishment and don't make Anthony Davis do it. Because, yes, it I, I felt like we were a moment away from Anthony Davis to the locker room again. You know, it's just it's the way the season has gone. Yeah. And so I'm right there with you. I fully understand why people get nervous with Anthony Davis. I do, too. I hold my breath. It's terrifying. But it's it's been that way since he became a Laker and even before when he was with the Pelicans, people were still constantly scared every single time that anything happened around him because he does tend to go to the locker room quite a bit. Let's see what else we've got here. A few more. We do need to get into the master lock of the night as well. Uh, Jorge Sandoval said, honestly, at this point, THT Deandre Jordan and a first for Terrence Ross. Gives us a three-point wing who can start next to Russ. Opens up a roster spot for the buyout. We keep Nunn and Monk off the bench with Reeves. It's interesting. Uh, Terrence Ross is not actually shooting that well from three this season. He's like low 30%. So he's not like this knockdown three-point shooter. But he can create off the dribble. I look at him as more of a six-man scorer. So I think there's some skill set duplication there with Malik Monk. But Monk's the better shooter. Ross, though, is 6'6", so that gives him a little bit more utility defending on the wing. I'm not saying he's a good defender, but I'm saying he's got physically just the size to probably hold his own a little bit more than like Malik Monk does, who's 6'2", 6'3". 
So it's something to consider, but ultimately I don't know. The first is probably where I would draw the line. I'm not, I'm not adding the first to that package to get Terrence Ross. I think that's going too far. Yeah, I'm not adding a first to Terrence Ross either. I, I, I like Terrence Ross a lot. I think he could really help the Lakers. I do understand why you say skill set duplication there, but um, on the first round pick, no on that for me. Uh, Tsunami Poppy said, "Do you think wh- who do you think are realistic options for the Lakers? So I think the way I'm approaching the trade deadline, this is my mindset going in, just so everybody's clear. I am assuming that what's going to happen at the trade deadline is the Lakers are going to find a taker for one or more of their end of the bench. We can't play this guy players. DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore's getting some minutes now. They're going to find new homes for those guys. And it might mean they pay somebody. I'm not saying they're getting something. I'm saying they're going to have to give something to get another team to take those guys in order to free up roster spots. That's the most likely move that I think we see the Lakers make. Now, it won't be for lack of trying. I think the Lakers will do everything they can to make a more substantial move. But what I'm expecting to happen is a roster spot clearing move from the Lakers. If something else happens, great, but I'm not going to approach the trade deadline expecting the Lakers to make a big move to get like a Miles Turner or something like that because I don't think it's that likely and it will set people up for disappointment. Again, I'm expecting a move to clear a roster spot, which I know that's not as exciting, but that's my mindset going in and if something bigger happens, then great, let's be pleasantly surprised. I'd rather approach it that way than have people expecting something to happen and then winding up disappointed. Yeah, the the quote, expect disappointment, never be disappointed, then, yeah. Again, I would not expect a big trade from the Lakers, and I, I'm kind of on the same boat as you. Probably find a way to get Ken Bazemore, DeAndre Jordan off the books, whether it, that is to... Probably, if we're being honest, for the buyout market, so you have an open roster spot open. Um, But yeah, and again, if, as you said, if you do make a bigger trade, yay, unless it's a bad trade. But I'm I'm definitely on the boat where, yeah, there's probably just going to be a smaller trade to clear a roster spot for the buyout market. Rodrigo said... Uh, It is. Said, do you all think the Lakers can acquire Lou Dort? Kenrich Williams, Justin Holiday, or Tory Craig would just picks. And look, I, I love your targets here in terms of 3 and D-style wing players. Lou Dort, obviously, we can question the 3-3 three, three part. Right. Throw I mean, he's Lou not Dort out the window. Way, but, but guys who can defend, guys who can be switchy on the wings, those are great targets. Those are great. These are the kinds of guys that you need to find to put alongside LeBron James. Historically, give LeBron guys who shoot threes and played really good defense. That's what you need to win, Right. It's not a mystery. This isn't rocket science. But I also say OKC has already put it out there. Hey, if you want Kenrich Williams, guess what we want? A first, right? Uh, Teams right now are set into it's a seller's market. There's not that many players out there. If you want somebody from us, you're going to have to pay. So just keep that in mind. It could be that the prices are just too high. Remember, the Lakers have the 2027 first and that's it. That's it. That's all they have to offer. Once we get to the summer, they could free up another first, right? Depends on what's happening uh, and how far out they want to trade a pick. We're talking about draft picks that are five years from now. Who knows what this team's going to look like then? You got to be careful when you're trading something like that. You've got to make sure that what you're getting is absolutely worth it. Yeah, and Lou Dor just dropped 30 points. I think it was last night, so <laughs> I, I bet the asking price is two or more. Yeah, he dropped like 30 points points that was insane i did I, not I see that you. all right last one and then we're going to do the master lock sean tate trevor what would you do to fix the lakers i i think really what you have to do at this point is you've got to clear some roster space you've got to go searching for some more diamonds in the rough maybe you can be a player on the buyout market focus on younger players and again it's not easy because a lot of teams are looking for this but look for two things look for defense and look for outside shooting Right. And again, lots of teams are looking for that. So it's way easier said than done. If you can find somebody who's a four slash five, that would be ideal. I think that's something the Lakers could use, but that's where I'm going. I'm hoping for health for my big three. I'm hoping that you can get what you were hoping to get from Kendrick Nunn by playoff time, that he can come back and become a contributor because his that's been a big loss. 
And then from there, if I'm Frank Vogel, I'm shortening the rotation to whoever it is that shows me that they can play because this team is not nearly as deep as we thought it was going to be heading into the season. But I, I talked about this a bunch. I said, not everybody's going to hit, but even going into it with that mindset, we've seen more guys not hit or be borderline unplayable than even I expected. And so clearing some of that off the roster, trying to find some guys, even if you only get one guy, right? Search for that needle in in the haystack, see if you can find one other rotation player, and then off you go with a shorter rotation heading into the playoffs. That's, that's what you do if you're the Lakers. Now, of course, if there's a deal out there that makes sense, you make it, you pull the trigger. But I don't know what kind of value THT, Kendrick Nunn, and that 2027 first is realistically going to get you on the market right now. Yeah, and I, you already know, Trevor, I only ask for one thing. I, I don't care what you do. I, I'll let Trevor Lane do the front office stuff. I only ask for one thing, and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've already discussed that heavily. I just asked for one thing. I'm a very simple no person, Trevor. Coverage. I don't, I don't ask for much. No drop coverage. Uh, I don't ask for somebody much. Somebody here said, do you think the Lakers can get a win streak going? Yeah. In theory, I mean, sure, right? These, these three yeah. games, the Blazers, the Clippers, the Knicks, all of those teams are right around where the Lakers are situated in terms of the NBA hierarchy. In theory, those could all be wins. Now, if the Lakers had LeBron, I would feel a lot better about them. But we'll see. Hey, technically, if the Lakers win tomorrow, that's a win streak. So there, there you go. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Master Lock. Let's get into that here. So chat, let us know. If you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, fire it off. Who would you put in the Master Lock from tonight's game? Is it a Lakers player? Is it a Blazers player? Is it a concept? Is it something else? Let us know what you are putting in the Master Lock. And while you are firing off your takes, Sean, let me know what you are Master Locking from this game. Um, I'm not going to master lock drop coverage. I'm going to master lock the rebounding, especially on the defensive boards. I know. I see. I got you there, Trevor. You're probably expecting that one. But I'm going to master lock the defensive rebounding. Um, I just want to throw out a quick point here. It doesn't matter. I think I tweeted this out. If you go big, they were still getting dominated on the glass. Like Portland was still, whether it was Nurkic or some of the other guys just flying in and getting rebounds because guys weren't boxing out. It doesn't matter. You could have seven. You get Not seven. You got four seven-foot guys on the on the court and then a six-nine guy. But if nobody boxes out, they can still out-rebound you. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you go big or small. They can still out-rebound you. So, I, I like, people were saying, like, in my mentions, that, oh, no, they're getting out-rebounded and you played Dwight Howard more. Dwight played fine tonight, but you're still – Still going to get out rebounded because nobody's boxing out. So it really doesn't matter if you go big or small. And actually, if you're still getting out rebounded, why not just go small and uh, space the floor out? But, yeah, I'm going to go with that, man. Uh, there's definitely some other things like the free throw shooting down the stretch that made it a little bit more of a game than it should have been. Extended like 10 minutes, but I'm going to go with the, the rebound. I think it's now something that teams are adding into their, their plan heading into a game. The offensive glass. Because you're seeing teams consistently do this. They're sending at least one of their perimeter guys to crash the glass. Because the Lakers consistently, from the beginning of the season, have not boxed out that guy. They just haven't. And so we saw the Blazers do it. We've seen every team do it. And Russ gets caught napping on this. Avery Bradley gets caught napping on this. Guards in general, their mindset is not often as locked in on as like a big would be on shot goes up, turn and box out, but they need to be. And so the Lakers have gotten burned on the offensive glass, not just by the bigs. Now, Yusuf Nurkic had five offensive boards, so they're, I mean, they're doing fine there, but you're also getting other guys coming flying in and grabbing offensive boards from the perimeter. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., who's a point guard, had two offensive boards, right? Like you've got... Uh, you've got all these guys that are just grabbing offensive boards on you. CJ McCollum gets two. Uh, Norman Powell had, had one, right? You've got guys chipping in, and that's not great if you're the Lakers and you're continuing to give up second-chance opportunities. So th- I think that's a good thing to master lock. I am going to master lock the referees in this one because at the end of the, at the, end of the first half, there was a play. Yusuf Nurkic yeah. takes a shot. It hits the wire connected to the backboard. 
doesn't hit the backboard, hits the wire connected to the backboard and bounces back into play. Now, the play was blown dead. Two referees, I believe, said Lakers ball. Then they talked and they decided that, oh, it must have hit the side of the backboard. And they gave the ball back to the Blazers and the Blazers are able to hit, I believe it was Norman Powell, hit a turnaround jumper with one second on the clock to yep. pull them within one. If the Lakers had lost this game by a point, that, I mean, that play would have loomed pretty large. And that was just a very obvious mistake to make for the officiating group. It was right there. It was very clear that it did not actually hit the backboard and they awarded the ball to the wrong team. They just, they just completely blew it. And it's like the game shouldn't come down to that when you're playing the Blazers, but given the state the Lakers are in right now, every single win counts. Yeah. So a, win, every, like, every, a, a yeah. mistake like that, it's yeah, it, it can't happen. Yeah, it can't happen. And I know referees are human. They have a very difficult job. I would never want to want their job. It's insanely tough. But that was a very egregious mistake by the officiating crew that could have really cost the Lakers. So that's my moment that I'm master locking. Either way, the ball went out of bounds, did it not? So whether you say it went off the backboard, did it not go out of bounds? Or am I, I making that up? It, I don't think it did. I think it bounced back onto the floor. I'd have to go back and look at it. But okay. it was, yeah, it was a rough one. Uh, okay. Yeah, that would have Jay that Singh said, sense. love you guys. Uh, hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Let's wrap things up there. The Lakers are back in action tomorrow against the Clippers. Important game. Important game in terms of the standings right now. With this win, the Lakers Half are now kind of settled in where they have a gap between them and the Blazers. So they're in the nine seed right now. They are four games up on the Blazers for the 10 spot. So this is why I don't see the Lakers falling out of the play-in tournament. However, they are right now just half a game behind the Clippers for the eight seed. And when we're talking about play-in tournament positioning, you badly want to be in the seven or eight seed instead of the nine or 10, because the seven or eight seed means you only have to win once. The nine or 10 seed, you have to win twice in order to get in. Seven or eight is essentially double elimination. Nine or 10 is single elimination. You can look at it that way too. So tomorrow's game against the Clippers is actually pretty important for the Lakers in terms of seeding, uh, which unfortunately play in tournament seeding is actually something we have to be concerned about right now. But tomorrow's game is a big one. Hopefully the Lakers can get a win, but we'll see. Second night of a back-to-back, -back, we'll see if they can get it done. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel ring that notification bell as well. Till next time, stay safe and see ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.